Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Real Kipper and Born, show number five. Has it been five days already? <laughs> Does it not Man. feel like it, Kipper? <laughs> He's Justin Born. I'm Nick Kiprios. And been a lot of bonding going on this week. A lot of bonding. In fact, I think the Leafs may be done. They may be on their way back from all that bonding up in Muskoka. And I'm wondering, JB, have we bonded enough in five days? Or tomorrow, do I need to show up at your house and then maybe take you to the park? Do we need more? You know what? I think it is, Kipper, is you got to do it like the good old-fashioned days where we need to go somewhere and get in a brawl. One of us needs to get sucker punched and the other guy needs to jump in. We need to show each other that we have each other's back. Really get that adrenaline going, you know, that connection. Well, sort of like the one that we saw uh, last night, that 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 brawl where that Astro fan dumps oh, beer. Have you seen this? Have you found <laughs> yeah. it on the yeah. internet where the fan is coming up the stairs Sammy, our good bo- our good guy Sammy, who's uh right there with the uh in the trenches for us. Uh you're the one that brought this up to me and I said, I, I gotta see it. Send it to me right now. Even the sound up is kind of great on this, Sammy. Do we have the well, sound of this guy getting beer dumped on him? <laughs> Cause the fans loved no, I- it. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna bring it up for you. I was gonna give you some audio, but then I realized as I was cutting it before the show started, a lot of swearing, Kip. So oh. uh, <laughs> well, we don't want that. I did not do that. So a lot of swearing on that bad boy. But yeah, guy uh, gets beer on his head, then gets a fist in his head. It's quite a video. So look that one up if you're interested in seeing a good old-fashioned fight. It has kind of been brought to my attention. I uh, early this week, I, I had a couple of choice words that uh, reminded me that, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, but uh, when you when you watch it, it kind of does remind you of of Ty Domi in the penalty box, doesn't yes. it, Sammy? Especially for you and that 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 famous fan dumping on Ty and Ty going, I don't think so, pal. And then is it was it Harry Neal or who was it? Watch the lawsuit, Ty. Is that what they were saying when he when he fell into the box? Yeah, watch the lawsuit. Watch the lawsuit. And is there even a lawsuit if a guy falls into the penalty box no, while trying game. to get at the guy? I think you're, you're. It's a clean green light, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, at, at least uh, the Leafs focused, I guess, on, on golf. No, no ball, uh, brawl room uh, punches thrown. So, uh, what's the latest now? Who who won the tournament? Who's the who who? Who's got the best uh, golf game out there? Well, it's actually delightful. I thought, Sam, you you said the tweet. Was it uh, Mikheyev? Yeah, I was reading. I was listening to Matthews earlier because I was I was listening through some of the stuff he said, and he was talking about how it was him and Muzzin, uh, Mikheyev, and uh, Kasha that played together. So you know, just a nice little team building exercise. You got a defenseman there. You got a new guy. You got a yeah. guy who's going to play lower down the lineup. Just what you guys are talking about—that beautiful bonding. 
you know, just getting all the different types of guys from the lineup. And then, uh, yeah, Mikheyev apparently had a great short game, good putter. Can't talk. Oh, hold on, hold can, on, hold on. Can, can the, the, the guy, the guy that couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a shot has the the best hands out there on a short game on the golf course. Is that is that correct? That's what they were saying, saying he was a great putter. It is it is really tough to reconcile that. The like handsy touch and eat around a green with the absolute brick mitts of him just the smacking it into yeah, into goalie pads all year maybe, long. Maybe he worked on those hands all summer. Maybe he had the, the, the George Costanza. Do you remember that episode where George had the, the hand model episode and he had to he had to protect those hands with oven mittens? Yeah, Perhaps uh, McKayev did the same thing. That's how you earn the Cobra nickname, protecting those mitts. Nice, who's a, nice. Who's the best NHL golfer you've played with, Kip? Uh, Mario was pretty good. I, yeah. I got around with uh, Mario Lemieux up at uh, Magna in, in Aurora. And uh, real smooth. Oh, surprising. Real smooth. So, the, so the, worst, <laughs> the worst by far, Ty Domi. <laughs> Ty Domi. In fact, there was this. Uh, I was in a. We were golfing with Glenn Healy and Ty, and you know, Ty kind of makes it up as you go along, right? So Ty will be like, first of all, Ty finds every ball. Every it doesn't matter. <laughs> every and golfer like, knows that accusation. Oh no, no, no! Like he's like he's like a hundred yards into the woods, <laughs> found it. Well, oh, oh, and I got a clear shot. All right. Cutting all right. a hole so, in his pocket. There was this one time where Ty's, it's me, Ty, and, and Glenn Healy, and, you know, we could hear Ty, like, wrestling in the woods, <laughs> looking and looking, and all of a sudden we hear out of the woods, <laughs> guys, guys, you're never going to believe this. My ball's in a gopher hole. <laughs> and we're like, Glenn and I are kind of looking at each other. And then Ty goes, what is the rule for gopher holes when your ball is in a gopher hole? He knows hole? the relief. Hey, and Glenn Healy's like, oh, hold on, Ty, let me look it up. All right. Um, um, bird's nest. Um, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, you know, a bear's cave. No, nothing here on, on gopher holes, Ty. I think it's just two two strokes, two-stroke penalty. He is a beauty. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, the the range of talent on the golf course for hockey players is immense. Immense. You know what Some it is, guys... though? It's, it, it, Justin, it's, uh, it's, it's the... How it's so much different, right? It's it's you're not yeah. trying to intimidate anybody. You're not trying to beat anybody up. It's just you and that stupid hole. <laughs> I guess I guess that is isolating. If you're used to you know threatening people to do things for you and you got to deal with it yourself, that's different for Ty. But a lot lot of good players out there. Well, listen, Sammy we're gonna included. We'll get into uh, so much. We got Steve Thomas coming up, and and there's another guy that uh, a little. Uh, old school and perhaps been on a few bonding trips himself. We'll get his feelings on, on what the Leafs are doing, what other teams are doing. And does it work? Is it, is that actually a good time uh, to do it at the beginning of the year or, or perhaps throughout the season, you look for opportunities. Uh, Darren Pang also will join us later 
in the show as well. But before we start getting into a, a lot of those things, including the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, guys, can we just kind of even look at the last 24 hours? And Sam, I, I want you included in on this as well. And and I speak of the, the Carey Price news. And the more I start, you know, thinking about this and um, where we are in terms of the guys and the pressure that's out there and are, are we going to start seeing more of this? And when we've seen Jonathan Duran go through what he had gone through with anxiety and, and we don't know what Carey Price uh, in particular is, is uh, suffering, nor is it really any of our business at this point, but I got to wonder if, if the path isn't to open for, for more guys and, and that's a good thing, but you know, I, I hate to kind of dehumanize this, but there's a lot of owners and board of directors and general managers and coaches that will still look at this and say mental illness, broken bone, pulled groin, doesn't really matter to me. You're out, who's in, and let's go moving forward here. And I'm just wondering now if teams now are not revisiting and saying, guys, like, number one, do we know enough about our players? Can we even predict something like this? Mark Bergevin, we heard in his press conference, and for all intent and purposes, um, says that, this is the first time I'm hearing from it or I'm surprised. And, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people in the inner circles here and some say, yeah, he, he might have been surprised. And others are sitting there going, how could you not know? It's your player. How could you not sense it or feel it or have a little bit of a... And 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 then you also factor in that he did pick up Mont, uh, Montebaum uh, on the waiver wire, J.B., and Sam, and maybe he had some idea without maybe not knowing for sure. Is there any way teams can guard now moving forward? You know, I think what has to have to what has to happen from a team perspective is they need to look at this sort of thing from a selfish standpoint in in a way that helps the player and just say that, you know, for the Montreal Canadiens, their best chance of getting the best version of Carey Price is Carey Price getting well. And for the same goes for Jonathan Drouin, a guy who's uber talented, uh, who just, you know, he's had some some problems and maybe it is with the pressure and being in Montreal and, you know, obviously with anxiety and insomnia, all those things play into it. But their best chance of getting the best Drouin is him getting help and getting healthy. Okay. So I I think it's a good thing, Kipper, and it yeah. gives these, these teams can look at it selfishly yeah. and say, we'll get a better uh, player back because of it. Yeah, JB, I, I don't agree with you, bud. Uh, and. Listen, it's, I'm not saying what you're saying isn't isn't true in in its own kind of way, but their first thought isn't getting Carey Price better. These guys, they're they're businessmen. They, they all they care about is their bottom line. Their first thought is, what are we gonna do without Carey Price? Who's in net? Who's who's filling it? And and all I care from here on end is okay carries out are we gonna make the playoffs here if if carries out for 30 days or he's out for 90 days like like great i want carry price well but 
if he's well in January and I'm sitting at the bottom of the standings, we're done this year. We're absolutely done. Point, we got Kipper? no shot. So their their first thought, like anybody, and again, once you're out, you're out. It's all for them. Yeah. It's business. It's big business. And they, yep. And Bridgman you know, has to make the thought, playoffs. So they need to get aggressive and act now. Absolutely, that's that's a thing. You need to act like it's not going to work itself out. You know, I I wrote something on this on Sportsnet.ca today, uh, and the example I used was your example of a point in your career where you uh, you know were on a nice offensive run and you felt like a little uh, like a tear in your abdomen or a pull in your abdomen and you kept it to yourself and you didn't say anything. You tried to play through it. Two weeks later, you said you suffered a major abdomen tear. You're done for the year. You don't get to play. You know, hit these targets that you're close to. Twenty goals, three hundred pims. That your team didn't have you because you didn't take care of the smaller issue when it arose. That's what this is to me is identifying something that can ruin you and take you out for the whole year and trying to nip it in the butt early. You know, it's a, a trying to get these guys back immediately. Or sorry, uh, immediately is not going to work. You got to take the time necessary. Yeah, yeah. You really did read my book. Damn right, bud. <laughs> wow. You didn't just Doing look at the pictures. You just, you just didn't look at the pictures. I mean, it's, the they're pictures. nice pictures too. Don't get me wrong. Color. <laughs> Simon and Schuster went Color. But undrafted and folks, that's, pick it up. That that is, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, you know, Jonathan Duran was uh, Durant's the top pick and was one of the be- best 18 year old prospects in the world. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Sam, he's making five million dollars right now. But and carries yep. secure in his own place and not only uh, as as a superstar, uh, but. Uh, a guaranteed salary and a spot that you know you will get back whenever you're healthy 30 days from now three months from now even next year he will get his job back but there is there what's the percentages of everybody else in the league to feel as secure as maybe Kerry could to, to leave his job and know that it's coming back. And that also in itself is, is really, really hard. Like, yes, we, we, we tip our hat to, to carry, but what works for carry might not work for the, the next guy that's, that's battling right now. Mm-hmm. No, there's no doubt that the deeper down the depth chart you are, the harder it is to speak up and say, I need to get this sorted out. I just can't, you know, I, I think the right thing to do is to encourage it along the way. I, you know, I I see the point of like, you know, if you're running the team, you don't want to see five guys on your team say, "Hey, I need a month. I got to step back here." But I think all you could do is encourage it, and then I assess it on kind of a case by case basis. Want to get Steve Thomas's thoughts on this NHL alumnus, uh, a guy that uh, I never had the pleasure of playing with as a teammate, but I had the pleasure of taking a couple of left hands off my forehead <laughs> in a fight against Steve Thomas when I was, at the time, trying to crack the Kitchener Rangers. And, of course, he was kingpin with uh, our late uh, dear friend Peter Zezel with the Toronto Marlies. Uh, first of all, Stumpy, how are you, pal? I'm excellent, buddy. Thanks for having me on. 
No, no problem. Say that that you and Ray Ferraro have the the, the great distinction of uh, getting beat up by me. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to get I want to get in all of that, but I I just. <laughs> I I just want to maybe have you kind of pick up on on our conversation. I don't know how much you've heard of it. Uh, well, I haven't heard any show. of it, Nick. So I'm not. Uh, I don't know what's going. on. I just got on the phone right now. Okay, pal. Let me just give you a little bit of the cold notes. Of, of course, you know that Carrie Price is stepping away um, indefinitely uh, to mm-hmm. look after himself and and whatever's going on in his life through the NHL NHLPA uh, player assistant. Pro, uh, assistance program, right. uh, which is great, but we're, we're just now talking about, uh, in many ways, hey eh, Justin, the just the the pressures, the pressures of a of an athlete trying to do this, the pressures of a team, uh, Stumpy, of of replacing a guy like that, and although they're saying and doing all the right things, their focus isn't necessarily on Carey Price getting better. It's it's replacing him, and I don't want to be cold in saying that, but is that the sense that you've always had as a professional NHLer? Well, you know what? Um, being a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, I don't really uh, have much of a soft spot for the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't really know what they're what they have in the pipeline in regards to someone who can replace a guy like uh, like Carey Price. But you know, when I look at Carey Price, I think of a guy who is 18 years old, breaking into the NHL and being told he's the greatest goalie of all time for his whole career. And um, and for Carey to have that that uh, burden from the fans expecting so much from him has got to be something that's gotten to him over the years. Uh, when you're getting told you're the greatest and, and when you have to perform as the greatest goaltender, um, there's a ton of pressure there, and, and he's had it his whole hockey career. So um, something's got to give there. Uh, whether it's a, you know, I, I don't know what the uh, the issues are with Kerry, and I hope he gets better. Uh, I hope this time that he has a way with the NHL Players Assistance Program is something that's going to help him, but... Um, there's a lot more to hockey, and uh, he's pretty much done as everything other than winning a Stanley Cup. And uh, I mean, I'm not probably the only one that hopes he uh, he pulls through this. But um, um, like I said, I mean, the poor guy's had so much pressure his whole career playing on a a team where hockey means everything to to, to Montreal Canadian fans, and um, and and that's got to take its toll on a guy. Justin, wasn't this the one guy everybody thought? could handle that what 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 Steve Thomas is just uh, speaking of and didn't we get a sample of that years ago when he told the Montreal Canadian fans to chill yeah well i think oftentimes we see someone with a relaxed demeanor and we mistake that for it being easy for them or that they don't stress out you know just cuz they don't vocalize it or show it as much uh like Steve, when when you were playing, did you feel a difference uh, in this market compared to other places in your career? Like the amount of pressure that you would have felt, you know, on Long Island compared to to being a Toronto Maple Leaf? Because I have to think it's the same with Carey Price. That part of the pressure is is big market pressure. I couldn't agree with you more. I think um, you know the Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal Canadiens, or any any of the Canadian cities for that matter. Hockey means something to those people, the the fans, the media. Um, and and there's so much. My Nick, Nick would also agree with me. I would I would suggest playing in Hartford as opposed to playing in Toronto. 
um, or Washington or, or somewhere in the States, that pressure just isn't there. And, and well, for me, I kind of used it as a, as a, um, as a positive because when I got to Toronto, the sec, my second time around in 99 to 2001, um, I felt as if, if I played the best I could, tried to do the best I could every night, it would alleviate some of the negative press that I might get. And I kind of use that as a motivating factor. And, um, you know, but some, some, there's other guys that, that can't handle, uh, you know, staying after practice or sitting in the dressing room after a game and, and doing the inter- interviews day after day after day, getting phone calls, uh, doing, doing interviews uh, on the radio, on a television. It's, it's not as prevalent, nearly as prevalent in the United States in a smaller market um, team as it is with the, with the, any Canadian team, I would, in, especially Montreal or Toronto. So when you speak of your two stints with the Toronto Maple Leafs, can you compare uh, even the pressure that maybe today a guy like Mitch Marner and Matthews and Nylander feel? And if you take us back to the first time that you broke in and you still had the likes of a, of a psalming, uh, a vibe, can you speak of the pressure that those guys felt? Is there? Can you? Is it apples to apples or apples to oranges when you compare it to the the guys today? Well, I I think that that when I broke in the league in 1984 and I played till '87, um, granted there there was some successes in the in the ten years prior to that, but there wasn't you know fans and the team the organization to a certain extent accepted mediocrity back then. And there wasn't really the pressure to be, you know, a team that made the playoffs. Well, of course they wanted to make the playoffs, but um, you know, it's not like the pressure that the Toronto Maple Leafs are handling right now. Whereas, you know, fans are expecting this team to be, to do great things. We've got great players. um, We've got, uh, got a big salary cap, um, you know, that pressure is there now, whereas when I first started, that pressure wasn't there. So uh, I, I found that um, that the uh, because of the mediocrity back then um, and the expectations of the fans, um, it, it made it that much easier than it does right now because these guys, these guys now are under the gun. I mean, uh, they've got a team that, uh, you know, a lot of people in the NHL think can buy for a Stanley Cup win whether it be last year, the year before, or even this year. And uh, that expectation level is so high right now that anything less than a cup is a failure for them. So, I mean, they've got that hanging over their heads for sure. Do you think there's anything to the idea that they are mentally weak? Or do you think it's just been bad luck that they haven't broken through so far? Well, I'm not sure. It's it's hard to say because there's, there's no question that, they, you know, the top – four, five, six guys have the talent level to, to compete with any other team in the NHL. It's just, you know, finding that, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that when you get to the playoffs, you should be hitting it on all cylinders. And I, and I don't think that was the case last year uh, going into the playoffs and, um, you know, with goaltending issues and, 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 and you know, things like that. Uh, guys that haven't been in that situation before uh, um, going in with their, you know, their feet running and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a tough situation coupled with the, uh, you know, the pressures coming from, from, from media, from fans. It's a lot to handle for a young group of players. Did, 
do you recall teammates that lived and died by listening and, and reading? And I always got a kick uh, Stumpy out of, of players that, uh, you know, even when I was there a gazillion years ago saying, I don't read that stuff. And I'm like, are you the same guy that said that as you carry your Toronto son under your arm going in to take a big Yeah, poop? no, <laughs> yeah, that's funny because there, there's no way if you're a player in the Toronto Maple Leafs, organization that you're gonna you're gonna that's gonna just uh be sloughed off because you're hearing it from your friends hey did you see the article in the sun today you're and you know did you see that um that uh the guy on sportsnet or or on tsn that said that about you uh you know you you can't you can't skirt that stuff it's, it's just there and it's prevalent and it's and it's a matter of how you deal with those that information that comes out in the media or what people say or people put on signs in the arena or, you know, anything like that. Social media is a big thing now where if these guys go on, uh, you know, these, these sites and, 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 and hear about all the disparaging remarks that they, that these people say about the players and, and the management and the organization, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to miss all that stuff. I don't know if you watched uh, all or nothing. Did, did you watch it? Any of the shows? Oh. All or nothing. Uh, yeah, no, okay. I don't watch they, a whole they, they, lot of TV. It's all good. They just had like a, a, a few part series on the lease from last year. One of the things that uh, was focused on it was Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas kind of dealing with uh, Mitch Marner and uh, trying to get those guys to handle the pressure, trying to conquer these demons. And I was just trying to get your sense of how much you feel the responsibility is on the player versus today there seems to be an onus on the organization to get these guys in the right position mentally to perform where and I think even 10, 15 years ago, it was like, if you're the guy, it was on you solely to figure it out. You know what? I'm a firm believer that the, the, um, the, the organization, the coaching staff, uh, the head coach, they put it, they put a, a system in place. And, and I think, you know, that system is a guideline for you to kind of follow. Uh, this is what we want you to do in all these mm-hmm. different situations. Um, it's up to you to um, play as hard as you can, um, as creative as you can, and as as confident as you can within that when that within that uh, um, that that framework and that system. Um, I'm a firm believer that players today they need a pat on the back. They don't need to be scolded. They don't need a Mike Keenan anymore behind the bench. Uh, playing head games with you or sitting you on the bench for making one mistake. I think the game is about making mistakes. That's how you get better. And it's about learning from different adverse situations that happen throughout the course of a game or throughout the course of uh, three or four games throughout the course of a week, Um, uh, you know, uh, half a season. I think there's little microcosms that you have to get through. And I think these, these little, these little adverse situations that you go through, make you a better player and a better person in dealing with the next adversity that comes towards you. And I think the organization has to instill in the players, the fact that you're here, you're allowed to make mistakes. When you make mistakes, we're going to correct them, keep making the mistakes. And you know, there might be some consequences, but at the same time, I'm going to, as a head coach, I'm going to give you a pat on the back for doing something well, okay. and I'm going to be constructive. I'm going to be constructive when you do something poorly. So let's get going here. And, and we're all behind you. Our coaching staff's behind you guys. And that's, the, that's, that's kind of the way I would look at it and, and, and approach this situation. Well, it, 
you spent the last few years behind NHL benches as an associate coach, so you have a better idea of uh, the mentality of kids uh, yeah. along the way. But I, I did have a conversation with uh, with Justin earlier this week, and there is a fine line, and, and you did say it, Stumpy. You just said it uh, moments ago. Uh, I like to focus a little bit sometimes on on sometimes the consequences, and, and it's one thing to have constructive criticism, but every once in a while it, – it, it is still okay to make someone try to feel bad if they're if they're not getting the job done. Uh, yes, and and I as, think that, that as long as it's too, fair without the mind games that you speak of. Right, exactly. That's that's where you take that player and you show him eight or ten games of clips. You sit down with him and you ask what he's what he's thinking in this situation, saying, "Okay, well, we talked about this." And this is what you should have done in this situation. And we've told you three or four times, yet you continue to do the same thing. Like, let's, what, what, are we, what are we thinking here? Why can't you change this? Like, you, t- you have to talk to these players. I don't know how much, like, I can't tell you how much video I showed a number of players on our team. And, you know, at the end of the day, they keep making the mistakes. And, and these players, they come in Coop's office. And I remember every one of uh, John Cooper's uh, interviews with, with a player when he knocked on his door, he wanted me in that room. So I would sit in with, um, with John and we talked to a player and say, X player came in and said, you know, I know it's not going great. Um, um, what should, what do I have to do to, um, to, uh, um, to get more ice time? <laughs> and it was, re- it was really funny. And we all laughed about it in the dressing room by, you know, John Cooper's answer was just play better. You know, and, and uh, I mean, that's how straightforward it is. Just get out there and play better. We're all behind you, and we, uh, we believe in you. That's why you're here. And um, that player would leave the office and say, he's right. Oh, excuse me. He's right. You know, like yeah. he's, he's 100% right. And, uh, and then you'd see a change in that player because he knew where he stood. Give us your honest feel on on this bonding stuff. And I love it when the boys are together, and I love it when you're feeling it. But the problem the last 12 months for the Leafs is all we've heard is how much they love each other and how close they are, and yet we didn't see any of it the last three games that mattered the most against the Montreal Canadiens. So bonding trips, you've had a few over your years. Tell us what you think of them. I think they're great, especially ones that are at the beginning of the season. I think, um, you know, there's, there's new personnel on the team. There's veteran players. There's players that um, played somewhat sparingly when they were young, and now they're getting more of a pronounced role in, in, on the team. I think, it's, um, I think it's really important to get to know everybody. Um, you know, some of the activities would be golf, uh, you know, um, you know, going to a bar with each other, having lunches, having dinner. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's little things that, um, that like that, 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 that bring a team closer together. I, I think, you know, often, sometimes I even think that if there's an adverse situation that happens when you're, when you're, uh, you're in those bonding trips, really close, make your, your team a lot closer as well. I do remember, uh, when I was playing for Chicago and Mike Keenan was our coach, um, it was the beginning of the season, and they took us to um, Arrowhead Pond or Arrowhead uh, Lake Arrowhead, and uh, <clears throat> it was like a, a conditioning camp. And we went up there, and we were all 
not many guys really liked the way Mike Keenan coached. So we were as a team almost against the guy for what he was doing to us. So anyway, we went up to Lake Arrowhead, got on the ice, and it was an outdoor kind of, um, it had a roof on it, but it was open walled and, and it was cold in there. And and I remember um, him giving us like a, like a conditioning skate. And there were guys on the ice like, Greg Gilbert, Dennis Savard, Rick Vibe. They were, they were, these guys were absolutely cramping up. They were throwing up, but Mike kept making them go, making them go. And, and it was, it was a situation where the rest of the team kind of rallied around those guys and, and helped them along and got us, got us all through um, one of the worst bag skates that I've ever had in my career. And we went on to um, to win the uh, President's Trophy that year, and we were a really close bunch of guys, and I think that was the start of it. Completely a strategy of him. He had no problem being the bad guy in the room, and I think it was all by design that he knew that uh, guys would stick together. And if you want to all, all collectively hate me together, well, guess what? I'm getting you guys uh, to... to to stick together a lot more. Yeah, and he's won. <laughs> right? Yeah. As much as we didn't think he's won, he'd won, he had won. He had he he he'd gotten his point across. And you know what? That's why he's one of the top coaches and wins of all time. Yeah, there's no question we we experienced the same thing in 94 uh and uh it was either going to destroy the room or it was going to get us uh, over the finish line and Fortunately, we had a couple of guys that uh, have gone through it before, as many as six times, as five times, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and Kevin Lowe and Messier, and that that didn't hurt at all. But uh, um, no question at all that that that's that's what has to happen on on a couple of occasions is is the guys have got to stick together, but it doesn't mean anything unless it transcends on the ice. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has, have you seen a difference in how rookies are included uh, at the start of the season with all the sort of bonding? I feel like rookies were sort of outcasts, or, you know, earlier on uh, when they came along. Now I feel like the onus is like to try to include everyone right away. Is that the case? Well, I think I think the uh, the rookie dinners are um, are a little bit different than they were when I started. <laughs> um, a little more expensive. expensive. Uh, they're, they're far more expensive than they were when I was when I was a rookie, but. Uh, um, and, and back when I was a rookie, it was like that. Like you mentioned, it was like you're looked down upon. I mean, they shaved my head. They, you know, they, they put you through the ringer and, um, and that's not allowed anymore. And it's not done. I think what happens is, you know, you bring, you bring the, uh, you, you have your, your rookie dinner and all the guys show up. Um, oftentimes you'll get uh, a couple of rookies stand up on a chair and they can have to tell a joke and, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, they're paying for dinner for the whole team. So, <laughs> you know, you know, it kind of reminds me that the one thing I think that the, the the kids today are missing is is more time on the road. And now we've got these uh, scientists and the doctors and the sleep this and the oh, it's just a load of crap. All you're doing is taking less time for the guys to be together on the road. And I don't. This was this was me my first couple of years as I get to Washington on the road, so the, the, we'd fly in, the bus would pick us up, we check into the hotel, and then I'm walking towards the uh, the elevator and yeah, maybe Dale Hunter or Rod Langway. It's like, where are you going? Uh, 
Yeah. I'm going to my room. He says, no, you're not. You see that guy at the front desk? You're going to give him five bucks to watch your ba- uh, your bags. We're going next door for the, yeah. the liquid lunch. Right, and exactly. no word of a lie, it would last seven hours. <laughs> and, 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 hey, we're not paintballing here. You know what I mean? But we're bonding. Yeah, yeah I couldn't agree with you more. You know what? I always remember um, when I was coaching in Tampa, and this is the difference between what we grew up throughout our careers and what they're dealing with now is, okay, so I did the same thing as you. Like, I did that, too, um, a few times. But now, say Tampa rolls into um, Pittsburgh. We get off the plane. We jump on the bus. We, uh, we get to the hotel. There's autograph seekers there. They sign up. Everyone signs their autographs or whatever. And then we go in the hotel, and all these young guys are carrying their PlayStation monitor to go up into their room to play <laughs> video games. And that's what they do. They go, they go to their rooms. They order room service. They play video games against each other, and uh, they're all in separate rooms. And, uh, and that's, that's their kind of bonding. But it, I don't think it's as good as it was back when we played, Nick. Well. Let's see if they can like, kind of figure it out. You see guys walking in with like these 17, 20-inch monitors in a little suitcase. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what, what the hell is that? Seriously. Oh, they all hang out online. It's hey. a new age, Kipper. Oh, my God. <laughs> Headsets and chit-chat. Yeah, yeah that's yes. what they do. We went next door for lunch. They go to the source. Yeah. <laughs> buy, hey, buy TV yeah. monitors. Yeah. Hey, Stump. Steve Thomas, thanks for doing this, man. Really appreciate hey, it. Pleasure. Love the feedback. You're going to come back, okay, real soon. I hope so. I right. love that. Thanks Thank a you, lot. guys. Thanks for having me. Ex-Toronto Maple Leaf. What, 1,200 games. My God, that's so many. Hey. Oh, my. Is that? Like, I, could, I, I don't even think I barely reached 450 in this guy. Oh, what a career. Steve Thomas, everybody.